0: Broncos All-Decade Tackle Orlando Franklin, two-time All-Pro linebacker Chad Brown, former Broncos tight end and New York Times best-selling author Nate Jackson. 104.3 The Band welcomes you into the Players Club. Good morning, this is the Players Club. I'm uh, Nate Jackson here with Orlando Franklin. Chad Brown is not here. He's going to be on the drive later today with DMACC. And Man, you were here this morning. Yes, sir. So you you got a nice lather. I heard you guys talking about the lather. Are you feeling lathered up?
1: Yeah, man. Bright and early, getting it in. You know, Nate, I, I try, to, try to get up as early as possible to, to get that me time. But when you got to <laughs> do the morning show, you don't get that me time. You get up and you get some Mike Evans time. Yeah. So um, it was nice this morning, though easy show, nice and easy. It just flew by
0: the three hours. Well, we're we're reacting to the Broncos' twenty one twenty loss to the San Francisco Forty Nine ers. Um, it's it's only preseason, people, so let's not let's not get overboard here. But is there something? And then we're going to get into the individual performances and who played well and who didn't and all that stuff. But is there is there something to losing a close game like this? Um, you know, Sean Payton's brought here to win. These yeah. guys have to find a way to win football games. And they haven't been doing that over the last six years or so. They, the close games, they have not found a way to win. Um, is that a concern for you that, that these guys just aren't, aren't getting the W
1: Yeah, that would be my biggest concern so far this preseason, Nate. I'm glad that we're starting off the show like this because a team could, you know, kind of adapt to a mentality of the here we go again. You know, I remember when I left the Broncos and went to the Chargers. That's kind of how it was. When we're in those close games, we found ways to lose it, whether it was in the preseason or the regular season. And that just kind of became the mentality where I've been a part of football games and walking up and down the sidelines. And you could see it in guys. You could hear guys whispering, talking about it, like we're going to lose this football game. And yet there's four minutes left. So the last two weeks and how the Broncos lost, you could get into this vicious cycle of, yeah, can we win the get the close game? Can we pull it out? Or there's going to be some kind of letdown, whether it's on offense or the defense is going to give up a late touchdown for us to lose this football game. And it could start you know, creating a mentality out there for those guys. So hopefully Sean Payton and his coaching staff recognizes that. And, you know, they are showing where the corrections could have been made and where they should have won this football game. And the guys in that locker room are buying into that.
0: Yeah, I look back on my career and and, and the preseason games I played here. And, um, you know, winning always matters. To head coaches, like to head coaches as competitive as Sean Payton and as Mike Shanahan, um, they always wanted to win the game. Now, it wasn't the end of the world when we didn't win the game, but um, they were happy. It was a happy locker room. You know, just being in a in an NFL locker room after a win, uh, it's something that, you know, it's hard to describe. And even when it's a preseason game, that matters a lot. Now, Russell Wilson was brought here to be the closer, right? To be the winner that he was in Seattle. Fastest quarterback in the history of the game to 100 wins. Obviously, he wasn't in the second half, so we didn't get to see him close it out. But um, where are the winners in this locker room that these guys can look to and say, show me the way? Because you just talked about that feeling in the locker room where it's just like, man, here we go again. Yeah. Right? Justin Simmons, one of the best safeties in the league, has, has done nothing but lost here. Yeah. Does Justin Simmons know how to win in the NFL? Do these guys know how to do it?
1: Yeah, so I think that you're looking at like guys like Mike McGlinchey, right? Coming from a winning program out there with the 49ers. I think that there is no, it wasn't, like, if you knew, Sean Payton didn't just happen to fall in and bring in all, all these guys that had played for him with the Saints. Like, there's a, that's part of a, a reason as well, helping to kind of usher along the culture and guys that have been there before. Ben Powers coming out of Baltimore. Baltimore's been a playoff team. You're hoping to, that Russ could regain his form. And when he got here because of all his accolades and all the winning that he's done in Seattle. And when you start looking at the defense, you look at guys like Kaywan Williams, you look at, you know, D.J. Jones, these guys, he said, we're going to lean on you. But also, I think the defense has a nice little springboard of last year, knowing that, hey, guys, we weren't the problem. We were a part of the solution. We got to continue to hold up our end of the bargain, because last year we did that, and the other two phases didn't. So there are multiple ways, I think, that you could kind of look and kind of you know navigate these waters in a locker room if you're Sean Payton, and, and the end all be all Sean Payton. Right. You have a winning resume. Um, there's a reason why the Broncos decided to pay you whatever they're paying you. There's a reason why you're one of the highest paid coaches in the National Football League, and that is to get this thing turned around and change the mentality and change, you know, the outcome and the end of games where we should be able to steal a couple games because of you, because of your experience and that chess match that you're gonna be playing with these defensive coordinators each and every week.
0: Sean Payton was a little upset at the refs. Uh, for for a few things that happened in, at the end of the half. Um he thought there was a second on the clock and should have got one more play there. And had that happened, maybe the outcome would have been different in this game. Um obviously they would have scored at least a yeah and they probably would have gone for a touchdown there, right? Of course they wouldn't have kicked the field goal. What do you think? What would you have done right there?
1: Right there and then on the one I, yard line. I, I mean just what we've seen on Sean Payton, I think he gets aggressive right there on the one. Yep. I think he you know trots out Uh, Maybe 13 personnel. And uh, hey, we're going to go either, we're going to go run the football or we're going to, you know, get in our heavy formation. And maybe in a situation like that, you throw the ball and and get as many tight ends out there as possible. So I think he would have been aggressive right there and tried to go for a touchdown rather than just kicking the the chip shot field goal.
0: I think so too. And I think that would have been a perfect time to establish your, your, um, new dominance on the ground there with 13 personnel. I thought they ran the ball well though. I thought they ran the ball pretty well in this game. Um, they had uh, 25 carries for 165 yards as a team. That's pretty darn good. Russell Wilson looked good carrying the rock. Um, Sean Payton yanked him after, what, 13 plays? And I know some folks are thinking that he should have played more. What What are your thoughts on that? You think Russ should have played more? Or do you like Sean Payton? And we're going to hear from Sean Payton as the uh, show goes on. But did you like Sean Payton's answer and philosophy with putting in Jarrett Stidham with the ones?
1: Mm-hmm. So do I think Russ should have played more? Absolutely. I'm, I'm a fan of that. I, I think that whenever the starters are out there, the starting quarterback should be out there. But do I accept Sean Payton's reasoning as far as why Russell Wilson was pulled? Yes, I do accept it. Do I understand the, purpose behind getting Jared Stedham out there with the ones in preseason? Absolutely, I understand it. I've been out there where the quarterback changes and, you know, if you're Garrett Bowles, how many snaps have you had with Jared Stedham? You probably have had a handful at this point, if any at all. I don't really remember Russ missing a lot of practice time this training camp. We're getting a lot of vet days like we've seen other guys. So um I think that that only helps the football team, but at the same point, for me, Russ is going to be the starter. You're going to win and lose games because of Russell Wilson. I thought he, his decision making was great, but I think that he still needs as, as much reps as he could get before, you know, week one against the Las Vegas Raiders.
0: I really like what I saw from Russell. Uh, I'll be honest, I've been a little bit uh, skeptical that, that he could return to form. I thought what he did in the game was. Wait a minute now,
1: you're going to get a lot of pushback from the, these textures. There's, there's some people that. Hey, he's running around too much. Hey, he didn't look oh, good. Did. He's only three for six. You know? I get that.
0: And, and look, that might have been why Sean Payton pulled him out, because he is he is running a lot. He doesn't want him to get hurt. Last year when he did take off running a bit, he did get hurt. You know, you remember last year he, he dove for the end zone, and maybe this is because he's a little heavier, but he dove for the end zone, didn't get landed on or anything, tore his lat just from reaching out his arms, <laughs> uh, took off uh, for a first down the other way, um, another game, tore his hamstring, just mm-hmm. untouched, right? So is his body prepared for, for what we saw you know, a couple of days ago, that style of play. Can Russell do that style of play for four quarters for 17 games straight? I think so.
1: I, I think that, you know, he made a real dedication to changing his body. I think, you know, intermittent fasting, it, it's not something that's easy, right? And if you are a guy. Is that what he's doing? I thought that that's what that's I heard our, yeah. that he, he said, but uh, it's
0: all the it's all the craze. Yeah,
1: if you're a guy that wants to work out at all hours of the day, you know, get that workout in in the morning, and you're going to get another one in the afternoon. uh Intermittent fasting is you're only allowed to eat at certain times during the day, right? Yeah. So that could be a little bit harder. Uh, I think Russ has done a heck of a job of getting his body in the shape that it needs to be in in order to have success for 17 games. So, you know, does that stop him from injury? No, because you just talked about two injuries that he had last year that he didn't get hit on. Well, do I know 100% that that was because of Russ being a, a little bit heavier? I don't know that. But at the same time, if you could get yourself in the best shape possible, you're going to put your self in the best position possible in order to succeed and that's all Russ did this offseason so kudos to him with that but I think Sean Payton is doing a heck of a job with how he's managing each and every individual he's not looking at each guy and saying hey this is the this is what we're going to do as a football team he has a plan for each and every individual what you like that Nathaniel Hackett for me it didn't really have a plan for each and every individual he had a plan for the football team and I don't necessarily think that that was the right approach to the season last year
0: as far as intermittent fasting goes I'm more into uh, intermittent eating I just eat every hour. Too. and uh, But uh, it's to each his own. And we hope Russell's in the type of shape that's going to be able to withstand four quarters of that style of play for 17 games plus playoffs. I think that's what Sean Payton has to be looking at when he sees him take off like that. Um, he looked really good running the football. He looked very decisive in the pocket. That's something Russell's always been great at. When he sees something develop, he takes off and he gets down before he gets hit. If that Russell Wilson can show up this season, I think the Broncos are going to be in good shape. There was one thing, though, that I saw um, in this game that... It encouraged me a lot, even more than Russell being decisive. I'm going to share that with you next. You've been admitted VIP entry into The Players Club with Orlando Franklin, Chad Brown, and Nate Jackson. Happy Monday, everybody. This is the Players Club. We are reacting to the Broncos' 21-20 loss to the San Francisco 49ers. And before we get into uh, what I thought was a real big bright spot, something that was very encouraging and something we could feel good about, the 49ers are a good football team. And you saw that right off the bat, the way they run their offense and just um, the efficiency with what, which they run the play action and the movement. Um, this was a, this was an important test for the Broncos' defense, and I thought they played pretty well, limiting that starting Niners offense to three points. Now, they did move the ball down the field pretty easily in that first drive. But um stiffening up at the end there. But ultimately giving them a really, really good test with probably the most efficient offensive system in the NFL.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. That was the big key for me going into this this game, Nate, was how was the Broncos' offensive line going to combat the defensive line for San Francisco? And how was our defensive line going to look against the offensive line for the 49ers as well? Because those two units, I know that those two units are getting coached up well. And that's a football team that invests a lot in those two units. They have some of the better coaches in the National Football League heading up those units, and I thought the Broncos matched their intensity, whether it was the offensive line going against their defensive line or our defensive line going against their offensive line out there. So it was very encouraging watching this, the football game, and watching what was going on in the trenches.
0: Um, On top of that, the the Niners... The previous week got whooped by the Raiders, which is something that in the Bay Area it used to be a Bay Area rivalry with the Niners and the, and the Oakland Raiders. And um, that preseason game every year is there's a lot going on there. There's a lot of uh, there's there's a lot of bad blood in the stands. There's a lot of energy there. These guys, these guys, the Niners got whooped by the Raiders. So you had to imagine Kyle Shanahan. You've been in those rooms with him maybe after a loss or whatever, how he treats um, motivating players. But he couldn't have been too happy about them getting stomped like that.
1: Well, look at it in context, right? When you go back and watch that football game, it's, yeah, there was a a kind of wild touchdown that happened, but at the same time, I don't, it it was pretty close as far as like how it went throughout the course of the game. For whatever reason, something might happen in a preseason where you don't get in the end zone, but you game plan for that stuff. So are guys competing? Are they working their butt off and, and showing that they're trying to make the football team or they deserve a roster spot? And even though San Fran lost last week, I thought the guys were still doing that. So I, I think Kyle puts a stress on you know getting ready for the season more than winning preseason football games. That football team had a lot of guys that were still missing this past week when you look at it. Nick Bosa's not even in training camp. You look at what Sean what has said about that. He's like, I don't even think Nick Bosa has ever done the training camp while he's been here, but he's been getting ready his whole entire time, so he's gonna be fine, right? Then they're missing Dre Greenlaw, one of their inside linebackers, one of the you know, better linebackers
0: in the league as well. What's going on with Dre Greenlaw?
1: A little bit of an injury banged up. I don't know if they plan on playing Christian McCaffrey all preseason. Right. But they're also missing their other running back in Elijah Mitchell. So there's a lot of guys that are missing from that football team. I don't think Kyle was like revving these guys up and we got to go out there and win and something has to change. I think that Kyle's just trying to get his football team ready to like compete. And when you look at that, I I thought that Sean Payton did a a heck of a job of getting this Broncos football team in the position to compete as well.
0: Yeah, either way you look at it, the the team that the Broncos just played this week versus the team they played in the first week of preseason, night and day, different football teams. So you got to assume that the Broncos made some improvements and and made some strides between game one and game two. Now, one of those huge strides and something we all love to see out there was Javante Williams on the field. Uh, Javante Williams suffered an ACL injury after game four or in game four last year, only ended up with 204 yards uh all season. The previous season, 2021 was his rookie year, 903 yards, four touchdowns on 203 attempts. And uh, really just showed some flashes that made us all think this could be the guy of the future for the Denver Broncos. Now he went out there yesterday and look, he didn't have a, or, I'm sorry, a couple days ago, didn't have a lot of yards on the ground. He only had, um, three carries for 12 yards. But he had, how many catches? He had? he had three catches. I'm sorry, four catches for 18 yards. And what I liked about what I saw from him through the air was those hands. <laughs> those were not easy catches he was making. Um, coming back to the ball and R- with Russ scrambling left on a scramble drill. He comes, you know, he's ad-libbing there. There's yeah. instinct out there. One of the hardest things about coming back from ACL is not, you know, we heard Jamal Murray talk about this. He was talking about when, Folks were thinking you should come back for the playoffs. He's like, look, the the set pieces when I have the ball in my hand and I'm trying to create a shot for myself, that's easy. It's the reactive stuff. It's the stuff that's not scripted. It's the defense. It's diving on the you know uh, on the on the ground for a loose ball, that kind of stuff. And the stuff I saw the uh, Javante do. Was reactive. It wasn't planned. It wasn't scripted. He was reacting to the moment, and the knee held up great. I thought Javante Williams looked really good.
1: Yeah, and that's how it goes as well when you're running the football, right? It's all reactive. He knows where the ball is supposed to go, but at the same time, you know, are you running? Are you running a zone play? Because a zone play, you're reading it one gap at a time and then you're sticking your foot in the ground and trying to get as much as you can and get through that hole when you run a power scheme you know exactly where it's going or a gap scheme you know exactly where the ball should go but at the same time as soon as you pass the line of scrimmage or get to the line of scrimmage now you're reacting as well then in the passing game you talked about you know Him ad-libbing and Russ scrambling out there and Javante going down to go catch that football. All great stuff. For me, I want to know how Javante felt yesterday. I want to see how he does this week now with the two joint practices against the Rams where that will be ramped up and you're not just going to get them to tag off on you like how your Bronco teammates do when you're running the football, right? When you you run through the line and they just kind of two hand touch you, you know, these guys are going to you know, some guy from the Rams is going to grab Javante up at one point and probably pick him up off the ground or try to pick him up off the ground. All right. So how do you feel after that? Because you look great. You look like you have great hands out of the backfield. You look like you're confident. We know that you could pass protect. But can that knee hold up? And I think that we haven't seen enough out of Javante to say that
0: that knee is going to hold up for 17 games yet. Well, that uh, that difference between practice and the game, it's it's getting tackled. Like you just mentioned, getting brought to the ground. Here's Javante after the game talking about what it felt like getting tackled.
1: Oh no, I feel I feel good to go.
0: Um like I said, it was good to just get that out of the way in the preseason when the when the games don't really count. But um rather than having it come in the regular season, I'm out and nervous or anything like that. Um, yep. I mean th- th- there's so much you just um y- you don't know until you know. Like you gotta be I'm sure he's concerned that will it hold up.
1: Yeah, another part of that, you know, his post game clips the other day, he talks about, you know, having a little bit of nervousness to it to it and, and You know, thinking about the last time he was tackled to the ground, he tore his ACL. Yeah. So that mental block is going to be there until you get tackled to the ground again. The great thing is that he looked good, he looked comfortable, he looked confident, and, you know, hopefully... You know, this was a big step in the right direction in his process of coming back to playing football games and now him being able to rely on his skill set and know that, yeah, I still got it. I didn't lose anything because I tore my ACL and I had to learn how to rewalk and all these different things.
0: So considering he is coming, he's, you know, he, he looked good, but he is still coming back from a from a severe knee injury. Uh, Samaji Pirine. Has never been a true starter in this league. He's he's flashed, and uh, he believes he should be. And a lot of folks in Cincinnati believe that he was one of the best players on the team. Now he's backing up Joe Mixon, so he wanted to get out of there and give, give himself an opportunity to maybe play more. But with the emergence of Jaleel McLaughlin as well, I'm going to read a text to you, and I want you to react to it, Orlando, uh, from the Ramoslav.com text line. Players, please comment on this topic. Who is your starting running back for the Denver Broncos? Is McLaughlin the real deal? The true diamond in the rough. Mm -hmm. I know um, James Merrillat has an article right now on denversports.com. You guys were talking about it this morning. He believes Jaleel McLaughlin has earned the starter role. (laughs) And you're laughing.
1: Yeah, um, for me right now, my starter is Samajit P. Right. I don't think that you just say, hey, it's Javante Williams, because there's still some things that Javante has to work on in order to, to make it through 17 games, in my opinion. But Samadze is going to be your starter because I know he could pass protect. I love the physicality he brings in the running game. He's a very similar to what Javante Williams is, but it's more ready. It's more comfortable with his body, understands how it's going to react after a game. Javante's going to have to figure all these things out throughout the course of the season, and he's trying to figure it out right now. Um Jaleel McLaughlin, I just, there's a reason, no knock against Jaleel McLaughlin, because I think he's a heck of a football player, Nate, and I think he made this roster 1,000%. But at the same time, there's a reason why the young fellow went undrafted. You know, 5'7", under two hundred pounds, I don't know how that holds up for seventeen weeks as being the starter. He already, is body type wise, suggests as as being a change of pace back, not being the bell cow back there.
0: Do so, you think that? Um, do you think that when Sean Payton sees what he's been doing, he thinks uh, Darren Sproles?
1: Yes, I Darren do think. Sproul. I think he thinks Darren Sproles. I think he thinks Alvin Kamara. I think he thinks like a mixture of those two, but. The fact of when those two were in the game, like Sproles and Kamara's in the game, there's a whole nother, you know, asterisk on the playbook where those guys have to be in the game specifically for those plays. So I think Sean Payton is looking at 38 and say, okay, you know, here we go. You know, maybe there were five plays a week ago going into Arizona where there was a five plays at the bottom of the depth chart with 38 in the game. But after week one, maybe that jumped to eight now. And I'm um, just after week two, maybe that's at 12 to 15 now. I think Jaleel continues to carve out more and more plays where it's specifically going to be called up and designed for him to be in the game when the Broncos are calling those plays throughout the course of the season.
0: Either way you look at it, it's a good problem to be having and a good discussion to be having when you got three guys who you feel can play, you know, because you're going to need all three during the course of a season. One of these guys is going to get hurt. Maybe two of them will. Maybe all three of them will. That's just how the NFL is. Uh, you need depth in that room, and it looks like the Broncos have it. All right, uh, we're going to continue to react to this Broncos loss, 21-20 to the 49ers, and continue to talk about the bright spots and maybe the not-so-bright spots. We'll do it all and more in the morning mixtape. <laughs> next the players club welcomes you into the morning mixtape with a look at the biggest stories in denver sports here's orlando chad and nate This be tripping on how many plays the starters played, but Sean Payton had some thoughts on the varying snap counts for different players at different positions. No biggie.
1: Yeah, I think we had numbers for everyone. We're, we're not looking at halves or quarters. We're looking at numbers. And so we, we kind of stood to the number count, if that makes any sense. It's easy to measure the offensive line. you get got a hard number. The runners, the receivers, the outside linebackers, there's some guys that if they're in a rotation if they come out with the whole unit, they, they may not be at the number we wanted. And then there were a few guys we wanted to see more numbers from. So I thought we we did a pretty good job. We talked about it throughout the whole game, where we're at with phase one,
0: two, and three. I thought that went smooth. Phase one, two, and three. Uh, what is he talking about with the phases?
1: Uh, just constantly communicating as a coaching staff. Um, phase one, two, and three, that's uh, your starting unit, your second unit, your third unit. Right and okay, going into preseason two, you know where do you want your starters at and your second unit and your third unit, all right? Um, you know week one I think Sean Payton said what fourteen to eighteen around there. Week two said twenty to twenty four. Uh, I don't know what he's going to do week three against the Rams next week, but it's just kind of staying connected the whole entire time and communicating with your entire coaching staff. If you look at like Cortland Sutton, Cortland's going to get all of his reps on offense what do you want Cortland to get in the course of a game okay 20 to 24 well he's going to be done after that but now a guy like Albert O you might want Albert O to get 30 snaps but you're factoring in special teams now so now Joe Lombardi Sean Payton uh, wide, his wide receiver coach, but also the special teams coordinator. Now it's a four man collaboration to, to make up Albert O snaps and get him to where he needs to be throughout the course of the game. And you discussed it going into the game, exactly what his number is
0: at the end. So last year, zero snaps for any of the starters in preseason that backfired spectacularly on Nathaniel Hackett. Um, assuming that you know these guys are going to do a joint practice a couple joint practices against the Rams that's going to be very physical so you imagine they're not going to play in the preseason finale against the Rams probably right would you would you assume you're not going to see the starters on August 26th next, uh, this coming Saturday
1: I don't know Nate I mean Sean Payton has done some things a, a little bit differently I, I think you know, it's 50-50. Do they have a good practice or a bad practice? I think if the starters go out there and take care of business yeah. with those two practices against the Rams, yes. You, you pull the plug and say, you know, see a week one against the Raiders. But they go out there and it's not crisp. And you're not able to operate as an offense. You, you might say, hey, you know what? We need a little bit more work and those guys might be playing uh, on the 26th.
0: Do you feel comfortable? Let's say he, he does shut them down and they don't play in the Saturday game. Do you feel comfortable with the, with the entirety of the, the reps being done now and that these guys are ready for the season on, on September 10th against the Raiders here at home? Uh, i got to wait
1: until practice happens this week. I, I, I really can't answer that question without seeing practice.
0: No but, comment. No yeah, com- no comment. <laughs> 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 All right, Jonathan Cooper. Balling out there, wearing number zero, reiterating Peyton's Pay- comments from last preseason game. Number one against the Cardinals that preseason does matter.
1: Yeah, it does matter. You know, I feel like just because it's not a part of our regular season record doesn't mean that it doesn't matter to us. Every time we step on that field, we expect to win. Winning is something that we have to get used to around here in order to bring that into our culture. I feel like it's really good by a coach to just make that a point of emphasis, whether it's a preseason game or not. Um,
0: when we're out there, we got to win. We expect to win. Strong words there from Jonathan Cooper, and you love to hear it. Not, not only to me is he, is he playing like a, a guy who belongs in that starting role, but he's talking like a leader. On this team, what are your thoughts on just Jonathan Cooper's emergence this camp and the way he's he's played these last couple games?
1: I thought he's been awesome all camp, you know, whether it's been going against Garrett Bowles, Mike McGlinchey, or sometimes, you know, Cam Fleming and, and the other guys at the tackle position. I, I think that he's been very consistent. And what he has done, and he's probably opened up the eyes of Vance Joseph and this entire coaching staff and said, Hey, you know what? Come week one, these are good problems to have. You know, who is it? Is it Baron Brown? Is it Nick Bedino? Is it Frank Clark out there? You know, the Broncos have found a way to create some depth in a position that, quite frankly, had a lot of question marks going into training camp.
0: Yeah, they got some depth. Um, they have some decisions to make. Like you said, if Randy Gregory is healthy on one side, who's on who's on the other side for you? Is that, is that Jonathan Cooper?
1: Right now it is Jonathan Cooper. And Same with me. Yeah, so, you know, but I, I do believe that the Broncos are just kind of how we saw it play out with Randy Gregory being deep into the third quarter playing in that football game. And then you look at the snaps. Well, he only played 22 snaps. So that rotation was already going from the start of the game. So I like the fact that they're already thinking as – it takes a village. We're going to have a nice rotation going into each and every game, and we're not just going to rely on our starters out there. We're going to keep guys fresh, and you know I think that's how you get the most out of this group in, in the outside linebacker group.
0: They'll be coming in waves, right? Yes. That's what they want to do, like the Eagles last year. Yeah.
1: And it, you know, it just benefits the team. I'll tell you there's nothing more discouraging to an offensive lineman than that first drive that you saw the Broncos go on the other day where there was thirteen plays with Russ. Well when you break the huddle on play and it's play nine and, and now you see a new defensive end out there, you're mm. just like, God dang, you gotta be kidding me. Like you're you dog tired, you're gassed and, and now you're getting a fresh body. And I think that's how the Broncos are gonna play this year. It frustrate a lot of teams, but you might be able to get, you know, a play or two each and every game by doing it that way, where now you just have a guy that's a lot more fresh than the guy that he's getting ready to go against
0: as offensive lineman in that situation you just described. Would you rather have a guy who's a better player, but he's tired or, or a guy coming off the, the, the sideline who, you know, is not quite as good, but he's fresh.
1: I want a tired guy because I'm I'm in better shape than you. I'm always going to be in better shape than you as a defense as a defensive lineman, outside linebacker. I promise you, I will be used to this and be in better condition, especially playing here in altitude. I'm trying to run you off the field, I'm trying to get you stuck into a situation where there is no ability to sub. So I would I love like the mentality back here with Peyton because you knew that you were going to go to that hurry up offense very early in the football game, and you were going to just be a better conditioned team. Now I get the dog you. Because I know I'm more tired. You're more tired than me.
0: And uh, Jonathan Cooper, four tackles a couple days ago, two of them solo tackles, one sack, and one tackle for loss. And oh, by the way, he was playing special teams as well. Nice. So that guy is uh, healthy, which is great to see. Because he had the. You remember he had an open heart surgery. Uh, I'm pre- He had a heart condition. I think he had surgery on it. It had a wrist last year. So if that dude could stay healthy, he looks he looks like a beast out there. Uh, there we are. All right, uh, iPad, Johnny, hit it. All right, Javante Williams. We talked about him earlier. Here he is talking about if he felt like getting tackled was the last hurdle he needed to jump over in his recovery. Yeah, um, it was really all about just getting the nerves off. Um, I just wanted to get tackled again. Well, yeah, tackled again to see how it felt. Um, And that's the biggest hurdle that I feel like I had left with the whole recovery process. So um, just getting out of the way was good. Feeling good, getting tackled. Uh, Are there any more hurdles for Javante, or is he just ready to go now?
1: I think the hurdle is now moved on to the last piece of the puzzle, and that's the recovery aspect. You know, Nate, you played in this league. I played in this league. The big thing about NFL players versus other sports is you're getting in those car crashes. And how does your body respond throughout the course of a week? Where now on Monday you got to go in there and you got to flush your body out. Tuesday's your day off. Wednesday you can g- grind it and out first and second down and run game. Thursday it's more about third down. Friday you're looking at the red area, and then you got to get on a flight sometimes, and you know jump off that flight and go play a football game the next day. Is there any knee swelling? Is there any soreness to that knee for Javante Williams? So I think you know he has got through kind of if you had 10 things, he got through nine of them. The last thing now is how does his body respond after doing all the reactive stuff that the running back position has to do that we saw him do the other night, and can he get ready with a short turnaround after six days and be ready to do it again?
0: Yeah, and for that reason, you know, you hope that even though he looks looks good and he played well and he did everything he was trying to do and got tackled and feels good, still give this guy a little rest, pump the brakes on it and uh, allow him to slow walk into this season. It's a 17-game season, and hopefully playoffs are going to be attached to the end of this. So Javante Williams, great job the other night, but uh, yeah, uh take it easy for the next couple of days. All right, Sean Payton, guys, was pretty upset with the refs on Saturday. Is someone having a little bit of a victim mentality? That's next. Sports Station 104.3 The Band presents The Players Club with Orlando Franklin, Chad Brown and Nate Jackson Welcome back and happy Monday This is The Players Club I'm kicking it here with my buddy Orlando Franklin Chad Brown, not in studio today He will be in studio with D-Mac
1: Later on tonight, baby
0: Later on tonight on The Drive Okay, so we've heard from Javante Williams. We've heard from Jonathan Cooper. We've talked a little bit about Russell Wilson, and we've talked a little bit about um, Sean Payton's approach to playing these guys. But there was another narrative around the game, and that was Sean Payton being upset by the referee on Saturday. Um, Before we get into this, or into hearing from him about this specific game, Sean Payton has had a a history with... um, Refs and the league. He was suspended for a year, um, for funny business in this league. Um, you know, they had a playoff game against the Saints that was, well, changed by a non call at the end of the game, a a pass interference that they think should have been called against the Rams. The Rams went on to win the Super Bowl. This was such an egregious non call, at least in the eyes of the Saints and the Saints fans, that they, they filed like a motion in the Supreme Court or something to get the, the rule, like the game overturned and get it, Played again, wow! That, that's how upset they were by this. Clearly, uh, the Supreme Court did not take on this case.
1: Hold on, so that wasn't it a playoff game. Yeah, I thought it was a playoff game. So how how would that have worked? Because yeah, you exactly. Move right on. on. It's all over. To redo the Super Bowl too? Yeah, like, yeah. Uh, that's interesting.
0: But but to me now, maybe I'm reaching here. But it's, to me, it feels as if Sean Payton believes the league has an axe to grind with him. And that they don't like him, and that they might punish him for this on the field.
1: I could see that, especially with you know the the f- shots that he fired off right before training camp had, and you know firing off shots at the commissioner of the league and just kind of speaking his truth. I, I could definitely see a little bit of grudges held. They tell you all the time that you're not supposed to hold grudges, and we need to be able to move on. But just let's just be honest. There are certain things that bother us more than others and there's times where we're not able to kind of forgive and forget you know we might you know forgive but we never really forget and uh, Sean Payton does strike me as a person that remembers a lot of things and that might play a a role into how he operates on a
0: day-to-day do you think it, it plays into a role how the refs would operate how they feel about a head coach
1: No, I don't think so. I think that, you know, these refs are trying to get it right. I think it's very hard to do what what a referee does in real time. There's so many different... There's a big reason why I don't really love going to football games. I don't see it all. There's things that I miss. Now, this whole entire referee staff is just tasked to not miss things and they got to be right. And they, they have to make the right this call and right decision each and every time. So I, I think right now at this point of the, of the year, no, I think these refs are just trying to kind of get this thing right and knock some of the rust off. Now later on the season, maybe possibly, you know, I mean, you know, Roger Goodell would have to be doing some, some, some really Pope shady some stuff yeah. to get that done. But yeah, I I could see that possibly happening at the end of the year where a referee doesn't like a specific coach, and they might be a little bit more flag happy with the holding calls, uh, with the offensive line and the defensive lineman, uh, and in situations like that.
0: Well, was the play at the uh, like the one at the end of the half when it was it could go either way? You know, Jared Stidham's trying to. Trying to down that thing with no timeouts on the one yard line, and um, if you go back and review it, you might see that there is still one second on the clock there. Um, here is Sean Payton talking about uh, the review going upstairs at the end of the first half. You talking about the end of the half? Yeah. Well, it went upstairs. Yeah, yeah, but it, they, it, man, it happened super fast for him. So I don't know what time flights are leaving tonight.
1: refs got to get out and have a different game in a different town the next day Um, (laughs) the whole thing for me if you listen to the broadcast and I don't know how true this is Nate but the 49ers broadcast staff said there has to be two minutes and when when they came out of halftime they said that play wasn't reviewed because the spike needed to happen with two minutes left or two seconds left in order for that to for them to blow it dead. Like one second. I I have no idea. I mean, that's something that we all need to look into to, to further our football knowledge. But that's what I've heard on broadcasts. Like I've seen it on social media where they're, The Forty Niners' broadcasting staff is talking about it when the second half starts that that play wasn't reviewed because of there being less than two seconds. There needs to be two seconds, they're saying. So that's very that's something that's very interesting. You know, maybe we could get our NFL's rules book here and kind of look through it. But in real time, I knew Jalen Virgil didn't score. Mm -hmm. So in real time, I thought that the reps would have taken a second. To kind of look at that, and I do believe that had it not been a preseason game, that the referees probably do look at that and give it a second look. at If that wins and losses do count against your overall record, with teams trying to make it to the postseason at the end of this year,
0: we're going to hear more from Sean Payton in a second. But Jalen Virgil, what a bummer that he has that he got that knee injury. He's going to have surgery on it. Apparently, it's not an ACL to meniscus, uh, but he's going to have to he, they're, he's going to have to go under the knife. And get that thing fixed. And so a guy who was flashing at the end of training camp, at the end of preseason, like he did last year, which allowed him to make the team. And um, I just think Jalen Virgil is the best deep threat on this team right now when he's mm. healthy.
1: Really? I, I do. You're not buying into the Cortland Sutton that he's regained a step and those 50-50 balls is his ball, the I'm, mentality.
0: Show me. I mean, mm-hmm. I haven't seen a deep ball yet yeah. know, to Cortland Sutton where he, where he flashed like that. Jalen Virgil last year, 67 yard touchdown, probably the most explosive, we're one of the most explosive plays of the, of the year for the Broncos. And then this 50 yarder, uh, the other day. Beautiful route, beautiful,
1: yeah. um, just timing. That, that, that whole thing, the operation was right in sync, right? I mean, you pump it right at the right time, get the DB to, to bite up as Jalen Virgil's breaking out and sticks his foot in the ground and is able to get vertical. So, you know, I think they they really benefited from doing seven on sevens, one on ones. I think that definitely showed you a direct uh, correlation in the game. But yeah, I guess you could say that. Have these quarterbacks been turning down the deep ball, though, to some of these guys? did you, they, When you watched the game, did you see a lot of deep routes? Or,
0: or I saw, I saw a Russell go deep to Jerry Judy on that one, overthrew him a little bit. But Jerry Judy got tugged a little bit and was kind of hoping for the flag there mm-hmm. um, and probably could have fought a little harder to get to that ball.
1: But if you're straining with your body, does your body get torqued a little bit differently and makes it a little easier for the ref to make that call?
0: Yeah, you can. And it, but it happened early in the route as you sort of pulling, trying to pull away from the guy. It might have happened before the ball was in the air. Okay. I, I, I couldn't tell. But but still, man, um, you, you know, you like to see them make those connections. Russell Wilson's the deep ball guy. He's the moon ball guy. You know, he wants to drop it right in your right in your pocket there, and, and it didn't even you know it didn't even get a chance to touch it with his hands. So is it
1: bad that we haven't seen a deep ball? Who- First two games, you yeah. five series so. now for Russell Wilson.
0: I think so, but you know, limited limited snaps. I mean, he's three for six. Yeah. He had one ball. He took he took a deep shot there, um, so I'm not super concerned. But at the same time, more so for the receivers than for Russ. I know Russ knows how to throw those deep balls, but what about Jerry Judy and Corlin Sutton? We haven't seen them, you know, do a lot. And and I and I need to see those guys do a lot. I think those guys together. They they could complement each other so well if they just started balling together like Batman and Robin. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yes, sir. Because Corlin Sutton is is a big physical receiver. Jerry Judy's not like that. Corlin Sutton can make the in uh, uh, the the contested catches, the in traffic catches, the you know stick his hands out there and beat somebody. But on the other hand, Jerry Judy's the smooth route runner guy. Corlin Sutton's not that guy. So if they were able to to figure out the one two punch, those dudes could be a formidable duo. Maybe one of the most formidable duos in the league.
1: But it- For me, Nate, now, you're the wide receiver guy, right? You played the position. Is that an indictment on Russell Wilson or Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy? What what have you seen out of Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton? Sorry. Are they able, like when they're running their routes, are they running those routes? Because that's been the knock for me. Mm. Like, I'm looking for this Bronco team when... All five guys go out there, all five guys straining and and running their route like the ball is coming to them. I should be able to look at Jerry I shouldn't be able to look at Jerry Judy and Courtland Sutton and know who's in the progression and who's not in the progression. So is that what's hurting them? Because if that's what's hurting them and that's a them problem. That's not a Russell Wilson in the connection and the deep ball because yep. I think Russ is gonna throw it. Who doesn't wanna get off the field faster? If he could get fifty yards oh, and yeah. you know, three plays and go seventy yards versus twelve plays and seventy yards, I think everybody would put up their hand and, and prefer three for seventy.
0: If I'm playing quarterback and I got Jerry Judy on my team and he's got a deep route and I see it's a favorable look, I'm gonna throw him that football. I like that he threw him the football. He did get tugged a little bit. He probably could have got a flag there if he would have Fought through it. Maybe he would have got one more, or maybe he would have, you know, more likely have received that flag. But no, man, I'm putting him, I'm putting more on Jerry Judy and Corlin Sutton. Those dudes have to step up. They need to s- step up and be there for Russell. Help pull him out of the hole that he's in. Go make a special play. Go make a beastly play. Catch a ball at six yards and take it for sixty. That's what I want to see those dudes do. We cannot assume that Russell's going to do it. You got to go make a special play. If, if when I was a receiver man or a tight end or whatever, and I got a ball thrown to me. Mm. There was nothing I wouldn't do to catch that ball. It was an honor to have a ball spinning through the air towards me, no matter who threw it at any point in my life. you got to go sell out and get that thing. It's got to be important to you. And I want to see that passion with those guys as well, which you you didn't really. It's just hard to see it in the preseason, man, with limited reps. So fingers crossed it's going to come together. Yeah, Fingers crossed. I'm, I'm right there with you, man. I think that
1: that's the biggest knock on this whole entire football team. And if there's one place that I think that this coaching staff could get better is stress to these guys that when we break the huddle, just because you're on the backside of a player, just because you have the fourth option in the progression, everybody needs to be running to win those routes. Everybody needs oh, yeah. to be stressing the heck out of the guy that's in front of them and making the guy that's in front of them truly believe that this is the first option. Like, the way that this guy just came out, like, he's getting the ball right now. And that's how it needs to look every single play in order to be successful. And if you are able to do that... Man, you take a lot of the pressure off of Russell Wilson, and then that's when everybody eats, in my opinion, where you see Cortland Sutton finish the year, big numbers, Jerry Judy, uh, Greg Dulcich, Adam Troutman, all these guys will get their fair share of balls their
0: way. Everything's got to look the same coming off the line of scrimmage. You're exactly right about that. The thing that was so great about, well, there was a lot of things that was great about Jerry Rice... But every route looked exactly the same coming off the line of scrimmage. Same intensity, same first, you know, three steps, three, five steps. He, same stem. He's not doing like these fancy Instagram releases off the line of scrimmage. He's just getting into his route. That's what they are, their Instagram releases. Instagram, baby. <laughs> Did it for the gram. Do All right, guys. For the gram. Yeah, don't do it for the gram. Do it for the Broncos. Yes, sir. Social media is not a team sport. All right. The Good Guys Car show's coming to... Denver, September 8th through the 10th, 2023. The Ranch Events Complex, not in Denver, but it's in Loveland, Colorado. Check it out, guys. The Good Guys Classic Performance Products Autocross Racing Series Action featuring the Western State Shootout on Saturday. Shop the swap meet, cars for sale, uh corral and vendor midway. Enjoy live music and bring the little ones to the free kids zone. Now on Sunday, see which rides Take home the top awards of the weekend, including Builder's Choice Awards by Eric Peratt of Pinky's Rod Shop. And also, guys, on Sunday, check this out. American-made or powered late models of all years are welcome for our Meguiar's All-American Sunday (laughs) celebration. Hang with the good guys where the real car people come to play. A four-packet of tickets is available right now to caller number four, guys. Caller number four right now for the Good Guys Car Show giveaway. Pick up the phone. 303-713-1043. All right. When we get back, we're going to give our thoughts on Russell Wilson's performance on Saturday and get back into Sean Payton's comments on the refs. Do they have an ax to grind with our head coach? That's next.